Welcome to the Rockwell Retail Podcast, Season 5, Episode 13, presented by Marketile. I'm Michael LeBlanc. And I'm Steve Dennis. Well, Steve, are you a Ghostbusters fan? Oh, absolutely. We are crossing the streams here today because we are live in person again. You know how great I feel about being in person with you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's beautiful. Happy together, Steve. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. A little for Clint. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it, literally, uh, we went years without seeing each other in person. Now we've seen each other twice in a row. Last week we were at grocery shop in Vegas. Is that last week? I've been on like seven other countries. Since you, then, yeah, so you've I been on know. a worldwide tour. This yeah. I, I have as well. I went to Vancouver, then New York City, then back here. Mm-hmm. We are at the NAX conference. Big show. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, it, it is big. So NAX stands for National Association of Convenience Stores. There's a lot of convenience type items here, most of which are salt or sugar based. <laughs> so far. So I need the name of a good uh, cardiologist <laughs> and a uh, diabetes doctor. But lots, uh, of, lots of yummy beverages. And, and yeah. we got some great interviews coming up for future episodes with yep. all kinds of interesting people. I'm Right now I'm enjoying the new Kit Kat birthday cake flavor mm. just launched. Mm. And uh, so listen... This is a tremendous show. Our very special guest on this episode, and this is what I mean by crossing the streams, was actually recorded live in person at the Las Vegas event, a grocery shop. We sat down with Tony Shan. He's the head of Tmall Global for the Americas for Alibaba. Yeah, it was a super interesting conversation. I think Alibaba is a fascinating company. Now, I think we've referenced a number of times all of the, uh, the so-called new retail initiatives over in China. Mm-hmm. So we get into... Uh, into that a bit, uh, as well as uh, in particular what Tony's working on. Well, it's a great discussion because we're saying, oh, I, I get Tmall and I get Alibaba, but I wasn't sure the connection between food right. at a grocery show. So yep. he unpacks that for us. It's a great interview that's coming up right after the news. All right, let's get to, let's get to the news of the week. Let's start with uh, some macroeconomic stuff. Yep. Uh, let's start with job claims, GDP, goods versus services. What read you of the tea leaves? Oh, well... You know, what's interesting, so inflation still looks to be uh, challenging in the U.S. and a bunch of other markets. Uh, the U.K., I think, you know, really going through a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we got weekly jobless claims numbers in the U.S., and they were quite low. And I think there was some expectation, and I think there was some expectation that with interest rates going up, several companies announcing layoffs, that we might start to see the jobless claims tick up. But that's not happening yet. Mm. So it suggests that the labor market continues to be incredibly strong, yep. uh, which is good in a lot of respects, but maybe not so good for inflation starting to, uh, to tick down. The other thing was uh, we got the third straight quarter in the U.S. of GDP being down, though only slightly. Mm. But what I thought was interesting was just the mix, that, that goods were down, I forget the exact number, but considerably whereas services were up. And it really just sort of speaks to the way the economy mm-hmm. is shifting with services being strong and, and the yeah, sale yeah. of actual goods um, decelerating pretty significantly. Well, let's talk about how it's all panning out for a couple of retailers uh, from an earnings. What, uh, let's, start with, let's start with Bed Bath & Beyond. Ooh. Do you have, do you have the, uh, the sound of a crashing car on that, <laughs> that board of yours? Yeah, they yeah. reported their, yeah. their earnings, and um, I don't think anybody was surprised to, to see that they were not good. In fact, they were quite awful. Comps down 26%. They had their loss widen, so certainly not moving in the right direction in terms of profitability. Uh, About $300 million of cash went out the door. So, uh, yeah, things are pretty challenging there. And I I mean, I wish I could be 
more optimistic about um, what they can do there. But, you know, once the momentum starts going the other way and they have to start, you know, closing stores, cutting expenses, um, it just doesn't give them a lot of room to move. I guess, I guess if there's any, you know, perspective, it is a trailing indicator. I mean, we are talking about results that happened in the past, which maybe, you know, maybe they break break free and... They can set some well, momentum into the into the holidays, right? They, they claim they're going to break even in the second half of the year. Okay. So we, we shall see. I, uh, I'll take the under on that. All right. Uh, now, we also heard got earnings from Nike and uh, Costco. Different stories, I think. Yeah. So Nike, actually, Nike's uh, top line was pretty good. They, um, they still are having struggles in China, like a lot of mm-hmm. uh, folks mm-hmm. are, which is a big market for them. Uh, but their sales on a currency-adjusted basis uh, were up like, 10%, I think, overall. And that was like 14% in North America, something like that. So pretty strong performance. But two pieces of bad news. Their earnings were down. Hmm. And that's really the first time, I think, for them that they've, you know, post-COVID sort of seen or since the, the depths of COVID seen a, a decrease. But the big thing that got attention and sent the stock down a lot was that their inventory levels were up 44% year over year. Wow. wow. 65% in North America. Wow. You know, again, we've, we've talked about this and, you know, this is like the 12th big retail brand that has reported this real disconnect Mm. between inventory levels and sales levels. They chalked it up to supply chain issues where stuff that was supposed to come in came in late, like two quarters worth. And then stuff that was supposed to come in later came in early. They do make this stuff though. Uh, they do contract for it, yeah. so uh, yeah. it continues just to be, you know, every time you sort of feel like, well, maybe we're largely beyond the supply chain issues, you get a story like this. Have, uh, they, go- have they gone too far down the DTC path versus wholesale? I mean, now they don't, they don't really have wholesalers to phone up and say, hey, I got, uh, I got an offer for you to uh, move some new product. Well, I mean, that is one of the risks of shifting towards DTC, and their, their direct business was, was up, I think, around... Uh, 14%, something like that, whereas their wholesale business was was flat or down a little mm. bit. So, I mean, that mix shift continues. Um, I don't know that I would conclude that necessarily, but it's definitely a different a different dynamic. Uh, and they're taking on way more risk when yep. when they're going more through their own their own channels. Now, Costco was continues to be a real success story. Their comps were up like 13, 14%, profits up, and I think, you know, it's a combination of it's just a really great business model, but as consumers are looking for more value, they obviously have a strong value play. Yeah, they turn they turn to uh, Costco, and I'm sure they're still getting some benefit from food consumption being at home versus in food service. They're I mean, getting that, and you know, they are sampling again, and you know, and they I'm, are I'm, I'm always there for the free samples, <laughs> and for a while... You could not get those damn samples. You know, I had to. I had to actually eat before I went to Costco because usually, you know, I just I yeah. wait till yeah. I get to Costco. Um, let's talk about Peloton. So uh, interesting news. Farther down the path or the treadmill, so to speak, on going into wholesale with the deal with the Dicks, right? Yeah. So they announced, I guess, uh, a month ago that they were selling on Amazon and a couple of other attempts to go more into wholesale. So another brand taking the D out of DTC, mm-hmm. as our, our friend Simeon Siegel says. Uh, so yeah, they're going to Dick's Sporting Goods. So you know, I, I feel like you know, on the one hand, there's some merit to this sort of strategy of a balance of direct and wholesale. But it increasingly, as you look at their numbers, their chief marketing officer left. You know, it, it, there's a, an air of desperation as well. But I do think Dick Sporting Goods, you know, great brand, yeah, yeah. good partner. Yeah. Um, so I think you know that has the opportunity to be pretty successful. But it's certainly a huge, huge shift. 
mm. in, in what their prior strategy was just, you know, even six months ago. Well, it's certainly not a, uh, a specialty store outlet strategy. I mean, Dick's is, is massive, right? They're a massive player in, in uh, across the country. So. Yeah, and I think they're going to be, um, I may have this a little bit wrong, but I think they're going to be, uh, you know, adjusting the sort of SKUs they sell there. So there's going to be a little bit of a kind of a channel management strategy, I think, in terms of the offering and the pricing. Mm. All right, now let's head to the Wobbly Unicorn section. Wait, nope, nope, nope. nope. We're actually not going to go there this oh. week. Stop, stop, stop. Stop, stop, okay. Normally, uh, at least the last several weeks, we have gone there where we hear tales of woe from former unicorns that have lost their status and are struggling. But because we try to be positive here every once in a while, there's actually some good news coming out of the digitally native vertical brands. Several brands... <laughs> oh, okay. Groundswell of popular support. That, I think, is Mark Andreessen uh, cheering. <laughs> I got uh, one right. Yeah, sorry, we're going for the inside venture capital jokes now. But uh, no, three three of these uh, DTC, mm. digitally native vertical brands, uh, did some capital raises in the past week or so. Caraway, which is a home goods brand, uh, mm-hmm. cooking products, raised $35 million. Uh, Manos, which is an accessory brand, I, I happen to own one of their. It's a very nice backpack. Yeah, yeah, it's very got nice. a good deal I never, on it. I never heard of them. Is it uh, where? How did you come across them? Oh, I, I don't know. Being uh, a thought leader, I being guess. Being a thought, yeah. Things just come. Yeah, to you, I right? get. I get like the thought leader filter. It just gets dropped from heaven <laughs> on me. Uh, they raised thirty million dollars, and then Everlane, which has been around for. A while. For a while, yeah. they raised ninety million dollars. So you know, at a time where a lot of these brands have lost, as we've talked about a bunch of times, a lost a ton of market value, and a lot of venture capitalists and other investors have stepped away from the table. Here are three brands that were able to do pretty good capital raise. So I don't, you know, we don't know because they're private. We don't know much about their uh, financial performance, but apparently. Um, there's some investors that are willing to step up and, and write some pretty sizable checks. All right. Um, speaking of uh, counterbalancing news, physical retail, still not dead. What? You're kidding. Yeah. Turns out, uh, yeah, physical retail still still not dead. A few pieces of uh, news this past week. One, we're actually seeing that U.S. store openings continue to outpace closures, at least according to BDO. So 2,478 New stores opened in the United States. And then we also got an announcement from Ralph Lauren, which is doing a little bit of a Nike strategy mm-hmm. in terms of shifting a bit away from wholesale more towards direct-to-consumer. They are going to open, or they're planning to open, 250 stores across 30 markets. And then Third Love, a, a DTC brand, uh, they're continuing to expand. I think they're going to uh, like triple their store count in the next year or so. And then this is just, I mean, this is hardly like a, a news story about expansion, but I was just blown away by this number that Starbucks opened its 1,000th store in Shanghai. So A thousand stores. A thousand stores. Big now, Shanghai is a big very city. big city. Big city. Shanghai is a very big city. Like, there, I think there's like the entire population of Canada in yeah, Shanghai, it's, it's right? Like, it's like yeah, 30, 30 million. million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is, it, it, admittedly, it is a huge city, but trying to get my head around a thousand stores. I remember there was an old joke. I think maybe John Stewart told on the Daily Show is that Starbucks recently announced the first opening of a store inside another <laughs> Starbucks. Um, I don't think that is literally true here, but it does seem like many of these stores need to be pretty darn close to each other to get to a thousand stores. I would think. And now I was doing a little bit of a bit of research, and uh, there's actually now six. That brings the store count to six thousand in China. Now, for for context, there are. 8,900 company-owned and 6,400 licensed in America. 
So just to give the listeners some context about yeah. you know, how big is big, I mean, um, apparently that's a lot of stuff. All right, let's talk about uh, Sam's Club. They've opened a dedicated design studio, which, of course, uh, we chatted about briefly with our last guest, uh, Tim Simmons, right, from uh, Sam's. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's just evidence that Walmart and Sam's Club are continuing to invest in innovation. So um, some people may know Walmart is building this new campus in Bentonville, which I got to drive by a couple months ago. But in any event, uh, yeah, they're going to be opening a dedicated design studio to uh, continue to foster hmm. innovation and, and collaboration. So I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. If uh, folks go online, maybe we'll do a link. You can see yeah. some of the renderings of that space, which looks pretty cool. Well, all right. Well, that was a great uh, news segment. And uh, for the uh, listeners out there, we'll be posting some pics from, uh, live from this conference. Lots of interesting sights and sounds. And thanks again to Marketile, who is uh, hosting us in, the, in their booth. It's beautiful to have a podcasting studio. And uh, speaking of Marketile, let's hear a few words from them just before we get to our interview with Tony Shan, head of Tmall Global from the Americas for Alibaba. MarketDial is an easy-to-use testing platform and boldens great decisions, leading to reliable, scalable results. With MarketDial, you can be confident in the outcome of your in-store pilot initiatives before rolling them out across your fleet. In a challenging retail climate of supply chain disruption, labor shortages, and dynamic customer behavior, the need for reliable insights has never been greater. Validate your remarkable ideas with MarketDial's in-store testing solution. The proof is in the testing. Learn more at MarketDial.com. That's MarketDial.com. Tony, welcome to Remarkable Retail Podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Very good. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we're all here together in person at Grocery Shop. You know, this is really we're looking forward to this. Learn more about Alibaba, Tmall. I think it's Alibaba's Tmall. I wanted to ask you about all that. <laughs> got to get the nomenclature worked out. Got to get all that nomenclature worked out. Who better to do that uh, than yourself? So let's start at the beginning. Tell okay. us about yourself and, and who you are, what you do for a living, a bit of your background. Okay, great. Um, so I've been in the retail industry for around the 15 years. Um, I started off in more traditional brick and mortar retail in merchandising and planning. Uh, but in the last uh, 10 years or so, I've been in, in uh, e-commerce uh, for, for a while and specifically, most recently, more in um, the Chinese e-commerce space. Mm-hmm. And currently, I am uh, leading a team here for Alibaba's uh, Tmall Global, which is our B2C cross-border e-commerce platform. Uh, servicing the Chinese market. Myself and my team, what we do is we work with brands and merchants from North and South America that are interested in selling and exploring the Chinese market. So we work with them to help with market entry um, and and reach our consumers on our platform. Excellent. Now, retail has sometimes been described as the accidental career. Was it an accident for you? Did you, did you always want to be a retailer? Or how did you find your way into those original gigs? Uh, great question. Yeah. So when I was in college, uh, I was actually working part-time at a Gap store as huh? a, a sales associate right. um, to, to make some extra money uh, for tuitions and, and such. Um, and I, I just really enjoyed that experience, like mm. kind of seeing products coming in each season and how customers are reacting to it. Um, it's always very fast-paced and dynamic. So I always thought, 
it was interesting to me. It was either that or accounting. <laughs> Which, <I don't> know. <laughs> Good choice. That was the other choice. Um, so, uh, so after college, um, I, I kind of just got into into retail. Um, so we kind of started chit and chatting about uh, Alibaba, Alibaba, and Tmall. Why don't we step back? There's no one who's going to be listening to this podcast who hasn't heard of it, but uh, maybe they might not know enough about it. And then I want to talk a little bit deeper on. Um, its relevance to here, to grocery and yeah. to CPG brands. So why don't we start off, just give us an, sketch a landscape for us, so yes. to speak, of how these two brands coexist, which one does what, what makes you different, scope and scale, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so Alibaba is the umbrella, the parent company. Um, it's a multinational, multifaceted company that covers many different industries, sectors, and also different international markets as well. Um, so we have two major divisions, I would say, uh, within Alibaba. One is focused more on domestic Chinese market. So we have business units really servicing the Chinese consumers or merchants within uh, within China. And then we also have a global division that is basically anything outside of China. And then we also have these affiliated businesses um, like payment, uh, cloud, mm-hmm. marketing, uh, local delivery, logistics that sort of supports our core commerce business um, mm-hmm. and also be able to have a, uh, a basically a one-stop solution to our consumers and also our, our merchants that we work with. Neat. Now, when I, when I think of your business, I think of, uh, is it Free Shippo? Is it the physical? Fresh Shippo. Yeah. Fresh, fresh Shippo? Fresh hippo. Fresh yeah. hippo. Like okay. the animal. Yeah. Like the animal. Fresh and then hippo. <laughs> fresh hippo. Because you always want your hippo fresh. <laughs> Frozen hippo. And you don't want a mad. You don't want an angry hippo. <laughs> I think it's because they, they like to eat everything, maybe. So And it's fresh. So, so there you go. So, so that, to me, is the physical embodiment yes. of grocery. And we see these wonderful videos and, and yes. this you know delivery right in the neighborhood kind of stuff. Talk about your presence here. Um, and what, again, is the relationship with, you know, what brings you to grocery shop and, and CPG and what are they called? Fast-moving consumer goods. Help, yes. the, help us understand that. Yeah, so Fresh Hippo is our innovative uh, grocery store concept. Um, it's not just a typical typical grocery store. It's also a food court, a warehouse, a fulfillment center um, to uh, basically offer fresh fresh groceries um, to consumers in China. Um, so I was just at a, a, on a track uh, on a panel speaking about uh, cutting-edge, innovative grocery experiences from mm. around the globe. Mm. And I think, you know, Fresh Hippo is a, a great epitome of uh, innovative experience, um, at least for the, for the Chinese market. And that's that is also, I think, being duplicated elsewhere around the world as well. Uh, but also my business unit, specifically Tmall Global, we work with a lot of CPG uh, and food brands um, as well that are interested in selling to to China. A lot of well-known global brands, uh, CPG global brands that you've heard of, um, like you know Ocean Spray, Sunmade, Raisins. Mm. We also work with a lot of small family-owned businesses as well. Um, Emily's Chocolate from Washington State, and our fresh hippo business. We also source uh, fresh cherries and lobsters uh, mm. from here in the U.S. Mm. as well. We're getting you just as you've come off the stage. You mentioned the panel you were on. What, what were some of the key lessons or what were some of the other other things you highlighted? Yeah, so we, we talked a little bit about um, consumer expectations and shopping preferences when it comes to grocery in China. Um, I mentioned uh, our customers really value convenience. Uh, they like to be able to shop anywhere, anytime. So with Fresh Hippo, we'll, we have this mobile app that you are able to browse um, 
you know, the closest location uh, near you, uh, the selection that it offers there, and you're able to shop on this app and then have it delivered um, to your apartment and to your house within 30 minutes if you're within the three kilometer radius within the store. But also for those of you that likes to shop in store, right? Like you can go into store, use the app and browse and be able to scan QR codes on products to be able to see uh, the ingredient list and learn about the where it's being sourced from and when it arrived in the store even and be able to shop there. And you can actually... I mentioned it's also a food course. So as you shop, you can find the lobster that you're buying and be able to have it cooked there and yeah. eat there with your friends and family um, while you're shopping. And then if you don't feel like carrying your grocery around and maybe you're going to dinner after you shop, you can actually schedule a delivery as well. So it's very convenient in terms of uh, from a consumer's um, point of view, like however they want to shop, however they want their food to be delivered, um, Fresh Ship will be able to fulfill that. You know, I feel like in the United States, a lot of people have been paying attention to the innovations in China uh, and Alibaba mm-hmm. in particular. And sometimes there's a sense of, well, you know, if it's popular in China, eventually it's going to make its way to the U.S. or make its way to Canada or, mm-hmm. or Europe. But that doesn't always seem to be the case. Is Do you think that's particular to the different cultures of the different countries? Is there something about legacy retailers having a hard time changing, whereas Alibaba, you know, not really a startup anymore, but but started with a blank sheet of paper in a lot of respects to build out the whole yeah, ecosystem. I, yeah, I definitely think there are nuances in terms of culture, but also how consumers behave as well. Um, there are definitely things that translates well, like um, global shopping festivals, for example, Double Eleven mm. shopping festival is our marquee event of the year and it's the largest in the world and and now you you have prime day that's very similar to this concept of double eleven shopping festival uh, but things like live streaming which is very popular in china it's hasn't really taken right. off here in mm-hmm. the u.s but people are trying right i think it mm-hmm. might take a, a few years uh, but i think what it also makes a big difference is um because we have this ecosystem within the Alibaba umbrella that everything is really integrated together. Um, It's a more seamless experience where you don't really have to download, you know, other apps or jump into a different um, company's website, et cetera, to be able to to shop or or do whatever you wanted to do. So for us, we're really giving the consumer that seamless um, shopping experience or browsing experience, whatever it is. And do you think that sort of integration is inevitable in other parts of the market? Um, I think there are players, of course, that's trying to do that right now. You know, Amazon, I'm actually ex-Amazon, so uh, uh, Amazon is doing a lot of um, work in, in terms of like kind of consolidating various components to, to make it easier for consumers to shop with their grocery concept, like Amazon Go and Amazon Fresh, very right. similar to Fresh Hippo in a way as well. And I think it's really, you need players to be, who, who can have this, one app experience um, to really help and contain the consumer um, in in their journey. Perhaps too open-ended a question, but uh, since you've got this vast experience and you you see what's going on in a lot of parts of the world, are there any general lessons that you see in terms of what people get right about innovation, particularly digital innovation, and what people tend to get wrong or maybe not appreciate as much that they should pay more attention to? Yeah, I think um, Alibaba, we started as an e-commerce digital company, right? And our mission is to make it easy to do business anywhere. And 
to do that, you you need to be able to connect, um, you know, supplier demand and, and globally, whether that's via online or offline. Um, so we've been spearheading this concept of new retail, uh, which is mm. really blurring the lines of online versus offline. It's really trying to digitize the entire retail value chain to make that more integrated and seamless experience, not only for the consumers, but also on, on the merchant side as well, to be able to have all the information, all the data that they need to be successful. Um, so I think, of course, we're big proponents of e-commerce, and, and China has the largest e-commerce penetration mm. uh, in the world. It, I think it, it's this, gone up in COVID, right? Isn't it close course, to 50%? I think it, it might now? have. It's going to break 50% this wow. year. So 50% estimated. of all retail, retail sales are, are done online. And wow. it's or, bit, just could I clarify yeah. that? Because this is one of my, my pet peeves. Ordered online, right? Because I think sometimes when people focus on the e-commerce penetration, there's kind of, I think Alibaba is a great example of this, there's kind of the assumption that as e-commerce grows, that comes at the expense of physical stores, but not necessarily, right? If you've got it integrated, you may be ordering something digitally, but it's fulfilled from a physical store. And if you didn't have the physical store, you wouldn't necessarily have gotten the sale. So is that... Yes, I'm glad you brought it up. But that was my next point is really, it's not an e-commerce or a bust. It's really think Mm. there's definitely a role that offline stores need to play as well. So that's why I mentioned with our new retail is really kind of the integration of online and offline experience uh, to be able to utilize both of these these channels. It's not just like an omni-channel. You just have various channels. It's about integrating or harmonizing those channels together to serve the consumers. Mm. So, you know, as we think about innovation, I mean, you guys are the, the OG of the super app. You, you touched on it before, the, the innovation of bringing it all together into one, the multiple apps. And then I wanted to connect it with what consumers love. Like when I think of, of uh, we've got some great uh, grocers in Canada, T&T Supermarket, part mm-hmm. of Loblaws, mm-hmm. and they have redefined what fresh means in the grocery store. So these two things together, the technology and, the, and a consumer that, that just loves fresh and redefines how, what fresh actually needs mm-hmm. to mean. Tell me how, uh, when you look to the future, two, three, five years, what, what do you see and, and what are you working on? Yeah, I think uh, freshness is one. It's fresh hippo. It's, we need to have the, the fresh mm-hmm. in fresh mm-hmm. hippo. So when a, a customer walks into the store, um, for example, today is a Monday, right? So if you go into a store, uh, you can see packaged produce and milk cartons or egg cartons that have the number one on it, meaning mm-hmm. that these items arrived today. So visually, as a consumer, you already know that you're getting the freshest of the ingredients. So that is something that we're continuing to do because that's what's expected from a consumer's perspective. Have you started growing in store? I've seen some some green examples where grocers are bringing in an actually a little micro greenhouse of sorts. Is that is that on the roadmap as well? I mean, if fresh on the back of a truck or we'll just grow it right here somehow in vertical stores. Hey, we're always evolving yeah, um, yeah. And, and developing new concepts as well to service different consumer uh, uh, behavior changes as well as different markets as well. But I think one thing we're also... Um, have done over the years, especially during the pandemic, is how we can connect um, the farmers or the source of the products yeah. directly to the consumers mm. as well. So Fresh Hippo has many different um, extension concepts as well, where we connect like farmers directly to um, the end user. Yeah. Farmgate, we call that Farmgate kind of stuff. Yeah, and we also developed this community-based marketplace called Tao Tai Tai, which is really focused on the lower tier cities and the rural areas. You might not have a Fresh Hippo store uh, within the area that you're in, but you still want 
fresh produce, uh, but you might be a little bit more price conscious. Mm. Uh, so this platform is also like a group buying platform where you can get the community together to buy certain things and they come mm. arrive in bulk at these mm. pickup locations oh, and you can come pick them up. No, I've and seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. it's, so it's, it's a good price and it's still fresh. So it's, it's new things that we're trying to, to service different markets as well. Hmm. Can you uh, maybe just touch on, I mean, it sounds like there's so much innovation going on. How do you prioritize what gets worked on, not you personally necessarily, yeah. but you know, as, as part of that process of, of, of improving convenience, more integration, all these different kinds of ideas, massive technology investments, obviously, yes. and, and investments in all sorts of other support. How do you figure out what to work on, how to prioritize that, and which comes first, I guess, in many cases? Yeah, I think you know, technology is one thing, but also we do have a lot of data in terms of the consumers, you know, browsing behavior, shopping behavior, what they're like. Uh, we do a lot of segmentation and targeting, a lot of personalization as well. Um, in our Fresh Apple app, like you, based on what you bought in the past, you know, we can personalize and, 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 and show you different things that, um, that's on offer. Um, so I think that is really all stems from like the consumers, right? That they're really the core of, of our business and, and how, how they're shopping or what they're looking for. It's what's really guiding um, how we think about our roadmap and, and the different develop- developments. Now, I know we're coming up on our time and uh, I'm going to ask you a very open-ended question, but what, what are you most excited about next, either Tmall in particular or Alibaba Bigger Picture? Yeah, I think for us, um, we're definitely looking for more growth. Um, and what's key for my business, at least, is really um, need more selection, um, more different variety of products. Mm. Uh, we do service 1.3 billion customers <laughs> within our ecosystem. Nice. As you can imagine, they have a wide array of interests and uh, looking for different things as well. So, you know, my work and my team here is really we're looking for new brands and new products that's high quality, that's innovative, that's that consumers would want. Mm. And I think especially given kind of the situation there with the pandemic in China, um, travel is still relatively limited. Um, So they aren't able to come out and Mm -hmm. explore and shop. So it's even more important for us to be able to bring these great global brands um, and global Mm. products, uh, whether it's food or grocery or health and wellness, which is really what they're very cognizant about uh, to them at home. Um, so that is something that we'll continue to to work on um, and continue to to kind of seek out um, the new trends and the new brands that we have here. Uh, if you had to choose, if I forced you to choose between convenience and freshness, two very important attributes, Ooh. could you could you make that choice? Like if if it comes down to more convenient or more fresh, and sometimes the two don't go together, could you make that? Like what choice would you? Would you make that's a tough choice for you guys, it's right? It's very hard. Yeah, I think um, that is something that we have to balance as well. Um, and you know, we we are looking at the data in terms sure, of sure. for any given location, what type of potential consumer brands there is for any certain types of products. Because we also want to reduce unnecessary waste as well, right? So we want to optimize the inventory that we mm-hmm. have in the store um, to make sure that we're offering the freshness and. The um, the convenience, but also still kind of it's a maintain. tough trade off. It's a tough yeah. trade off to make. I think yeah. we, we want it all. Yeah, we want it all. <laughs> all right. Why do we? Why are we forced to make choices? <laughs> Let's have everything. But uh, well, Tony, thanks so much for joining us. I, I think I have uh, 
been encouraging clients and others over the years to, to really pay more attention to what's going on in China and Alibaba in particular. All the innovation is really incredible. And uh, who knows what's what's next is very exciting to keep paying attention to what you've got in store. And thanks for joining us. Definitely. Thank you again for having me. If you like what you heard, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform, so you can catch up with all our great interviews, like our discussion with Seth Godin on what retailers can actually do to fight climate change. New episodes of Season 5, presented by Marketal, will show up each and every week. And be sure and tell your friends and colleagues in the retail industry all about us. And I'm Steve Dennis, author of the best-selling book, Remarkable Retail, How to Win and Keep Customers in the Age of Disruption. You can learn more about me, my consulting, and keynote speaking at stephenpdennis.com. And I'm Michael LeBlanc, consumer retail growth consultant, keynote speaker, and producer and host of a series of retail trade podcasts, including this one, plus the host of the popular YouTube cooking show, Last Request Barbecue. You can learn even more about me on LinkedIn or melebla.co. Safe travels, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>